Shalom Aleichem, we are now going to, and Mitzvah Shem, finish up the fifth chapter of Erevin and move on to chapter six. So recall yesterday we talked about two cities, and the small city was within the Tehum of the big city, and we talked about how residents of one city could place their Tehum in the other city, and then they would have the Tehum of a different city. But Rabbi Akiva rejected that idea saying when you place the tchum somewhere else, you don't become like a resident of that place. You just get 2,000 amot from that new tchum that you've set up. So Mishnah tests. Amr lahen Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva said to the other sages, Would you not agree to my position? Somebody put his eruv into a cave. Not into a different city, but into a cave. He only has from where he put down his eruv, his food, 2,000 amot in every direction. Amr lo, the sages said back, Eimatai, when would we agree with you there? Bismon when there is no residency in the cave. Now, the simple meaning is nobody lives in the cave. But the Bartner explains, based on the Gemara, even if the cave is inhabitable, even if no one's living there right now, but it could be used for habitation, has, you know, decent accommodations, there aren't stalactites everywhere, the walls are still up, and, it, you know, it blocks the weather. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice cave, you know, it's cozy, but it's, it's a, it's home, home sweet cave. Of all, yeish badirin, but when there is residency or residence capability, mecholachet kula, he could walk through the entire cave in which he's placed his Erev, v'chutzalah, and outside this cave, alpayim ama. A 2,000 amot in every direction. Like we had yesterday, somebody putting his Eruv into the big city gets the benefit, according to the sages, of the entire big city. It's considered like four amas, like Lavdavka. It's considered not to take up space of his tahum. So he putting his putting his Eruv into that city, he gets the entire city plus the 2,000 amot in every direction outside the city. So it's it's good to do that. So the cave, they say, is the same din as the city. Nimsa called Tocham El Gaba. So we see it's more makel to put your Arab inside the cave than on top of the cave. Because Lamaisa, with the Arab inside the cave, the cave is treated like, when it's habitable, it's treated like a city, and you can walk the entire cave and 2,000 amot in every direction, whereas putting the Arab food on top of the cave, it's just 2,000 amot from where he put the food, and that's it. Now, this, this probably came up, Halacha Lamaisa during the uh, time of the Greek invasion, where the Maccabees were hiding out in caves. So on Shabbos, they had to know, you know, where to put the Eruv and what to do, you know, uh, on Shabbos while they're hiding out from the Greek occupation. And later, from the Roman occupation, we actually had a Mishnah in Shabbos where they were hiding from the Romans. And then there was there was Nebuch, there was a in, incident where the enemy was coming and they there were some Jews got trampled from the sandals. We don't wear the, the nailed sandals on Shabbos anymore after that Mishnah. Uh, the Mishnah here concludes... And the measurements that we've said, noting the Lapine where we give him 2,000, that's even when the end is in the cave. Now, what this end of the mission refers to is when somebody didn't put his Eruv smack inside the cave, or same with the city, but he put it somewhere else. He's either measuring from his house, his default, and it happens to be the 2,000 Amma ends up inside the cave, or as we saw, ends up in the middle of the city. That's as far as he can go. He can't go farther. So like we said yesterday in uh, Mishnah Ches, if someone from the small town, uh, his 2,000 amas, amot ends in the middle of the big city, he can't go any farther. He can't go through the whole city. So it'd be the same thing if somebody is going from his house into the cave, even a cave fit for dwelling, just because his 2,000 amot ends in the middle of the cave, he can't go any farther. That's, that's as far as he can go. So we see that we treat the cave or the city 
as not taking up space within his tchum, as they say, it's as if it takes up four amas, but Lavdavka doesn't really take up any space, only when he puts his Eruv in that place, not where he's measuring his tchum from somewhere else. Okay, let's start the next chapter. And now we're back to really Eruvin and Shitufim uh, that allow carrying in a space on Shabbos. Hadar im nochri somebody lives with a non-Jew in the same courtyard. So they each have their own apartment opening to a shared courtyard. Or with a Jew who does not agree to an Eruv. So he might be at Saduki or a Kuti or something like this. They make it usur to carry in his courtyard. Now the reasoning here is if it's a shared space, it's similar to a Rishusar Rabim, which is the space that everyone shares equally. So even a Chatzar with two owners it's as if it's a shared space. So rabbinically, there's a decree that you shouldn't be carrying there because it could be confused with the Rishus Rabim, which is right outside. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, Mary has a different opinion. Le'olam eno oser. It doesn't make it forbidden to make an Eruv and carry in this courtyard. Aju shnei Yisraelim osim zelze. Unless you had two Jews sharing a courtyard and they didn't make an Eruv, then you're going to have a problem. So then, of course, they could make an Eruv by sharing food and putting it into one of the houses. And basically, that would treat the courtyard as if it was the private property of that house where the food is, and everyone could carry into the courtyard, both of the Jews, in a situation where there's two Jews living there. Now, the Mepharshim say that what's the reasoning here, according to Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov, is that it wasn't very common for one Jew, one Jewish family, to live in a private courtyard with a non-Jewish family because at that time, the non-Jews were known to be, at times, aggressive or violent against the Jews. And it was really asking for trouble, God forbid, to be in such a living situation. It was very bidyevid, and they wouldn't try to, to maintain that situation of having a Jewish family living by pagans, by idolaters who were, you know, barely civilized at best. So it was really not a situation that was tenable. So there was no gezerah there, according to Eliezer ben Yaakov. Whereas Rabbi Meir would say, well, yeah, even in that situation we would require them to, we're going to see, to rent the property rights of the non-Jew or the one who doesn't agree to an Arab. They'd have to rent those rights, which was, again, unlikely to happen. You know, it, it, sometimes it's hard to set up an Arab because of political considerations. They don't want to symbolically rent out certain areas to the Jews to set up the Arab. So sometimes this still occurs, but the idea was uh, we we require the Jew, the Jews living there rabbinically to rent the rights from the non-Jews and it, since it's unlikely to happen, the Jews are more likely to move into a courtyard where everyone there is Jewish, and they're not going to have a negative influence or danger to the children from the pagans. Shabbat shalom and be well.